Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastek. Since it is Christmas, this episode, we are rerunning one of our favorite wintry interviews on the folktale of the Snow Maiden. And then for the next couple weeks, we'll be doing some reruns until we're back in January with new interviews. So if there are any subjects that you'd be especially interested in hearing about or particular people that you think I should harangue into joining us for a chat, send an email to podcast at theamericanscholar.org, and I will do my best to dig up an expert to talk about the most eccentric things you can imagine. And of course, the winter break is the best time to catch up on all the episodes you missed and harass all your friends into listening and rating us on iTunes. We'll be back in the new year, though our other podcast series, Read Me a Poem, will continue throughout the holidays. Check it out if you haven't already and hear a different poem read beautifully each week. So settle in with some hot cocoa to hear Philippa Rappaport's tale of the snow maiden. Not to be confused with the Snow Queen, the Snow Maiden is a popular Russian folktale that's enchanting in that gloomy Brothers Grimm kind of way for not having a saccharine happy ending. But I won't spoil the ending for you. I'll let my guest, Philippa Rappaport, do that. She's a lecturer in Russian culture at George Washington University with a specialty in folktales, ritual, and their overlap with popular culture. Thanks so much for talking to us about the Snow Maiden, Philippa. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a little sketch of the story first? Sure. This is a story that goes back to the late 19th century. It came out in one of the first folklore collections by a guy named Alexander Afanasyev. And there are several variants of the tale. But the main story is that an old couple, uh, there's a beautiful snowfall, and an old couple makes this daughter out of snow. And she comes to life. She lives with them for a while. She becomes integrated into their lives in the community. And in spring, basically, she melts. And that's the and that's it. That's the story. Very simple, very pure. <laughs> like a lot of folktales, I imagine. So how popular is this story in Russia today? Probably most people know or have heard of the Snow Maiden from the uh, ballet or from the opera. Snigurushka is also celebrated every year at the New Year. She's known to go with Father Frost or Grandfather Frost to homes and give out presents to children. So she's a very um, present, popular part of uh, New Year celebrations. So, I mean, when was the story first told? Are there different versions of it? You know, some people actually study the connection between folktales and ritual and, and think that stories are narrative descendants um, from ritual narrative, meaning that if there's a narrative that accompanies a ritual, it sort of devolves separately and, and turns into what you then share as a folktale. So there are a lot of different versions of it. One of my favorite ones really goes through the details of how she becomes a part of their lives. And um, as the weather starts to warm, you can see that she's getting more and more uncomfortable. She's hiding from the windows. She's always staying in the shadows. And then by spring, 
uh, when the buds are already bursting on the trees, she goes with friends to the woods and they do all kinds of things. They do circle dances. They make wreaths and put them on their hair. They do um, fortune telling. And then in the evening, they set a fire and the girls jump over the fire and that's when she melts. In other stories, you see there's a little bit of a love interest and you see that if she falls in love, if she feels love in her heart, she melts. Because she's warmed up by the love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does this story fit into the rest of Russian folklore or even the rest of Russian culture and tradition? So there's a series of rituals that, that were traditionally performed between the winter solstice and the summer solstice. So basically... At the winter solstice from Yuletide um, celebrations, then it takes you through the season basically every six and a half weeks. So the winter solstice, then to carnival about six weeks later, and then to the spring equinox, and then another half season later, and then eventually to the summer solstice. There's a whole series of rituals in which an effigy is created for the holiday. It's often named for the holiday or for the essence of the holiday. Um, people decorate it. They dance around it. They do all kinds of things. They sing songs. They bake special foods. And then they take the effigy. They parade it through the town and out of the town, and then they kill it. Um, now, that's how it looks to people who are, maybe aren't part of that culture, it looks like a killing. It's really a dispatching to the other world. So the the dummy is can be burned. It can be dressed up and then put into the local body of water and drowned. Often you see that it's ripped up into different pieces and then distributed into the fields. So what other giveaways are there in the story that tie the snow maiden into the ritual cycle and the seasons mm -hmm. besides the snow? <laughs> okay. So, well, so one, she is created from snow. That, in fact, Snigurichka, the root in there is snig, which is snow. The other thing, there are a lot of parts that can sort of signal that this has a connection to these rituals is that it takes you through her heating up, and by the time you get to the summer solstice celebration, which is Ivan Kupala, which happens in late June, they do the jumping over the bonfire. So this whole part where the girls go to the woods, they dance circle dances, they put these wreaths in their hair, and then they jump over a bonfire. It's, it's how the rituals are described. And so her melting over the fires of, the, of Ivan Kupala of the summer solstice is really a dispatching of the season. What we see in a lot of these rituals is that there's a sense of the continuation of life. And the way that's expressed is that something that is still vital, something that still has life in it, is put back into the earth. And that's meant to continue the life cycle. This is something you see in other folklore from around the world. But what's really interesting about the Russian stuff or the Slavic stuff is that often there is no rebirth. The people who have looked at this say that the rebirth actually comes in the form of crop growth, and it comes in the form of marriages. So these rituals in the spring are clearly connected to the 
the social cycle, and people would go out and make them let it be known that they're available to be partnered up. Um, and then eventually all of this culminates in new crops and new new human life. But sadly, the snow maiden is left out of the dating scene, right? Because it makes her melt. She's not really meant for love. She's not meant for love. You know, she's not a normal human. She's an otherworldly being. And the way that we know that is, one, she comes from this couple that's too old to have children. And there are some other clues in it. In one of the stories that I looked at, which is just like a little paperback book that, you know, I got for maybe the value of a quarter in the 1980s. Um, the way the narrative goes is that when she starts to come to life, her hair begins to curl. It's braided through the rest of the story. And then right at the very end, when she's approaching the bonfire to jump over it, it talks about how she was so scared and her hair began to unbraid. And when you look at Russian culture, um, you know, that could be a topic for a whole other story, but really that's a clue that this is a connection to the other world. And you see this in the imagery around mermaids, which is this is a creature who has long uncontrolled disheveled hair and that's and if you look at Baba Yaga and the images you see of the witch she's not going to have a nice tidy braid you know these female creatures from the other world their hair is wild so I understand that you have a, a verse translation of the snow maiden that you're going to read sure I really love this story, and so I tried to um, translate it into rhymed English. There were a couple of things. One is, if you remember, um, I said that in the Russian versions, the end of it is that she melts. So just excuse me that I, I just couldn't leave it like that. <laughs> okay. Once upon a time, in the fairest of places, an old Russian couple wore frowns on their faces forlorn, weary frowns, for they felt sad and lonely. They'd wanted a child and said, oh, if only. They hoped and believed, as most people do, that wishes and fairy tales really come true. So listen with care to this story unfold, for the tale you will hear is very, very old. It was early in winter, a day like most others. Cows grazed in the field, sheep bud, snowflakes fluttered. But by the day's end, when tender dark whispered, the old couple knew they were due for a blizzard. Great flakes flew all around them. It stormed through the night till a cold, hungry rooster announced morning light. He cockled and doodled till children came out. They sledded and played and tumbled about. Enchanted, the old couple watched them all play. Seemed dreams could come true on that great snowy day. While the children were making snow women and men, the two thought themselves up a plan, there and then. They shaped arms and legs, made eyes from green jade, then a red ribbon mouth and a thick auburn braid. They gave her a dress, felt boots, belt, and a hat, named her Snigurichka, thought that was that. But their eyes danced with joy and their hearts hopped with pleasure when they stopped to admire their snowy white treasure, and then... This is hard to believe, but it's true. The snow maiden smiled, took one step, then two. And once she got going, she just didn't stop. She danced and she leaped and she twirled like a top. And the couple danced too with whoops and great cries. Ah, 
the blizzard had brought them a splendid surprise. Snigurishka grew by the day, by the hour. She was wild and lovely, a dew-sparkled flower. She played all day long in the fields and the yard. In the evenings she danced under glistening stars. Her parents adored her, their own precious dove, and each passing day only deepened their love. So you see, for a couple who once felt alone, the cold, snowy girl brought great warmth to their home. The children were thrilled with the new girl in town. Who else had a friend that the sky had sent down? They skated and sledded in all winter weather. You'd think they'd grown up their whole lives together, but still there was something that seemed a bit strange. She had pale purple lips and no blood in her veins. Well, buds started blooming, birds burst into song. It soon became spring. Summer followed along. But as smells of the season commenced with their wooing, Snigurichka hid to avoid her undoing. People picked flowers and played in the street while she gazed from the window in lonely retreat. And the longer the hot sun continued to hover, Snigurichka lingered and cried in shade's cover. And the couple was worried. They couldn't understand why the girl was so listless with spring in the land. She sat there just sipping and dripping cold water. Ugh! How they ached to enliven their little snow daughter. When blueberries finally burst in the woods, they thought an adventure would do her some good. They sent her with friends to pick berries one day, hoping to banish her sadness away. The girls found a clearing among the birch trees. They danced and sang songs and made round leafy wreaths. But the snow maiden stayed in the shade by a creek, splashing cool water all over her cheeks. In the evening, the girl set a fire to burn and began to jump over it, each one in turn. Poor Snigorichka, tired of dodging the heat, agreed to complete this befuddling feat. Oh, she shivered and trembled, her hair came unbraided, the glow from the snow maiden's sweet face had faded. She ran really fast and then leapt in the air, and they all saw her leap, but didn't see where. A strange something lingered up there. The girls felt it. What could it be? Had Snigorichka melted? She turned into steam, which stretched over the fire and up toward the sky in a cool, brilliant spire. And the girls couldn't believe it. They searched all around, but the little snow maiden was not to be found. It seemed she'd returned to her home in the sky. What else could they do? The girls waved goodbye. Back in town, the old couple searched low and searched high till they too bid goodbye to their gift from the sky. Not with the sorrow they'd known all those years. She was safe and they'd loved well. This helped calm their tears. So, do not be sad, for this much I know. Snigurichka visits each year with the snow. And remember, whenever you're lonely or blue, sometimes the most wantedest wishes come true. We have some imagery from various retellings of the Snow Maiden on our episode page, and you've actually been listening to another version all along. Tchaikovsky's Opus 12, The Snow Maiden, conducted by Christian Yervi. 
Philippa Rappaport's retelling has not yet been turned into an English language book. So if there are any children's publishers out there, take heed. We'll see you next year. Till then, take care and stay sharp.